may be seated. Welcome to New Life. This beautiful, haven't been able to say that the last few weeks, beautiful Saturday evening coming off of our Kids Olympics event. What a wonderful day to enjoy that. What a wonderful day to be able to worship together. I want to welcome all those joining us online. Remember, you can catch up on any of our teachings on our podcast on iTunes or Google Play if you search New Life UMC, or you may go to www.findnewlifeumc.org or our Facebook page and catch up on all of our teachings. We're on week three of four of our Force Awakens series. So let us have a word of prayer. We will begin. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for this beautiful opportunity to gather together, to praise your name, to hear your word, to know your goodness. Bless us. Send your spirit and light within us now. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Scripture reading today comes from the book of Psalms, the middle of most of your Bibles. Unless you have an apocrypha, then it's slightly before the middle. And in a Protestant Bible, it's in the middle. This has the apocrypha in it, I believe. Psalm 88. Lord, God of my salvation, by day I cry out, even at night before you. Let my prayer reach you. Turn your ear to my outcry because of my whole being. I'm filled with distress. My life is at the very brink of hell. I am considered as one of those plummeting into the pit. I'm like those who are beyond help, drifting among the dead, lying in the grave like a dead body. Those that you don't remember anymore. Those who are cut off from your power. You placed me down in the deepest pit, in places dark and deep. Your anger smothers me. You subdue me with it, wave after wave. You've made my friends distant. You've made them disgusting to me. I can't escape. I'm trapped. My eyes are tired of looking at my suffering. I've been calling out to you every day, Lord. I've had my hands outstretched to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do ghosts rise up to give you thanks? Is your faithful love proclaimed in the grave? Your faithfulness in in the underworld? Are your wonders known in the land of darkness? Your righteousness in the land of oblivion? But I cry out to you, Lord. My prayer meets you. First thing in the morning. Why do you reject my very being, Lord? Why do you hide your face from me? Since I was young, I've been afflicted. I've been dying. I've endured your terrors. I'm lifeless. Your fiery anger has overwhelmed me. Your terrors have destroyed me. They surround me all day long like water. They engulf me completely. You've made my loved ones and my companions distant. My only friend is darkness. Amen. Hmm. What do you think of that? Book of Psalms, we believe, was the hymnal of the temple big church. It was the hymnal, which means these were songs. 
songs, 150 of them, that were sung in worship. I don't think Chris Tomlin's covered Psalm 88 yet. In fact, even in the United Methodist hymnal, which has many of the psalms, almost all of the psalms in the back, responsively, Psalm 88 is not there. Now, Psalm 88 is not some anomaly, although it is a little bleaker than the rest of them. About 70% of the psalms, 150 of them total, about 70% are lament psalms. Lament. Psalms about anger. Psalms about questioning. Psalms about fear. Psalms about human emotions that we all deal with. Because our lives are complex. Our experiences are varied. And so the people, the psalmists or psalmist, the early choirs of the people of Israel sang songs of praise. They sang songs of thanksgiving, but they also sang songs of bitterness, songs of frustration. It's funny, in all of the, and I I have a pretty good grasp of Christian music, there's not a lot of songs like Psalm 88 in Christian music. There's a lot of songs like Psalm 88 in secular music. In fact, one of my favorite bands, Nine Inch Nails, if you look at one of their first songs, Terrible Lie, kind of goes verse by verse. I think Trent might have been inspired by this particular psalm. He did grow up in church after all. So what do we do with this? The reason I bring you this to you, this to you tonight is I believe the psalmist in Psalm 88 was experiencing what we're going to talk about tonight. Darkness, surrender. The fourth step of the mystic journey. And it does not go where you would expect the process to go. We've been talking about how we experience God in this mystic journey using some of our Force Awakens and Star Wars as an example, but we've been talking about our mystic journey, how we can experience God and ultimately become one with God. I've already introduced you to the idea of awakening, that we awaken to this world, that the alarm is sounding and we awaken. We see, we hear, we feel, we just become overwhelmed by this world of the divine, by God's world. Then we come to a realization of self-knowledge, awakening self-knowledge. We understand who we are, where we are in this whole place. And we can go back and forth and we can end up at any one of these things at any time. And then last week, for quite some time, apparently, we talked about illumination. That wonderful state of being. Why wouldn't we want to spend some extra time talking about it? It's wonderful. To feel God's light, God's love, God's peace, God's hope, God's presence in your daily life to have your physical and spiritual uh, senses and perceptions enhanced by the Holy Spirit. To have that light just flow in you and through you. And that is where a lot of people end their journey. And, and it doesn't necessarily make you good. You can end up there, we talked about, and, and end up pretty, pretty broken, misusing those gifts turning them towards darkness. But interestingly enough, that is not the final stage. Many of us would like that to be the final stage because we get the joy and the peace and the love and the special things and the community and the blessings. That's not the final stage. That's not union or marriage with the divine. That's what the mystics are always looking towards. Union. 
And so for many mystics, they have talked about a very interesting and almost terrifying experience. Now, Evelyn Underhill in her book, Mysticism, refers to it as surrender. It is the stage of surrender. Other mystics, and she included, have referred to it by other names. The mystic death. It's a little less pleasant. The dark night of the soul. That's perhaps the most common. A very strange state of being. Coming from this state of illumination and this state of awe and wonder, it makes sense probably thinking about it that to be one with God, of course, we have to surrender. We sing about it, don't we? Lay it down. Man, lay it down at the feet of Jesus. I surrender all. I surrender all. At the cross. At the cross. Right? We sing these songs. We know these hymns. Of course we surrender. We give our lives to God's service, right? We give our lives to follow Jesus. That, that's what surrender means, right? It's a little bit more complicated than that. Because that doesn't necessarily lead to union. And I know that, and I bet most of you know that, because as you've tried to give things to God, surrender, maybe parts of your life, maybe things that you're holding on to, I bet you find it difficult. I bet, it, I bet it's more difficult than you think. And you try maybe day after day, you know, I just got to, you know, I got to get rid of this bad habit. I got to get rid of, I guess I got to focus more. I got to be reading my Bible more, right? I just got to surrender that. And I bet you find it a little bit more difficult than you might think. And so the mystics talk about it in a little bit different of a way. They talk about surrender and they talk about the dark night of the soul as a state of experiencing nothing. Nothing of God. Darkness. And you're thinking, why on earth would I want to go from a state of light and a state of illumination to a state of literally not experiencing God at all? And for some mystics, mothers, fathers of our tradition, that dark night lasted a long time. Decades. Even Mother Teresa, she's one of the more prominent ones maybe you would know, spoke of a very large time of her life where she didn't experience God at all. St. John of the Cross, who wrote Dark Night of the Soul. Terrible experience. But there's characters in the Bible you know. Job, right? Had a pretty dark night. Joseph, thrown in a pit, sold. Moses, runs away from home, hides in the desert. Lots of different characters experience this dark night. So I want to talk about our film, a couple characters in our film, and how that surrender dark night looks in the Star Wars universe. And then I want to come back to it because it's very difficult to talk about kind of abstractly because not a lot of people have experienced it. But yet, almost all of us have experienced it. Those times, right? Those difficult times, those dark times, those storms of life. So I want to start with a character from the new movie, Force Awakens. Ben, Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, this character on my shirt, obviously. You know, Ben, in the story, he grew up with, with a mother who, who was sensitive to the Force, Leia, and a father who was kind of a goofball, but also a little bit sensitive to the Force, Han. 
And, and he grew up with an uncle who was, was a Jedi who I, I believe was one with the Force. And we'll talk about that in a second. And he probably had an awakening. And he probably had self-knowledge. And he had illumination because he had all these powers and all these abilities. But then something went wrong, right? Something went wrong and he was influenced. I bet he had kind of a dark night experience. This is purely subjective at this point. On my view, I bet he had kind of this dark night experience where he felt cut off from the light. Remember, Star Wars is all about light and dark. So he felt cut off from the light. And then here this other guy came, Snoke. We don't really know much about him. But he came and said, you know what? That's good. You should use that. You should focus on that. Get rid of the light. Focus on the darkness. So Kylo Ren turned to the dark side. And this movie is beautiful because we've never seen anything like it in Star Wars. He's struggling all through the movie. There's this wonderful scene. It's just it focuses right on his helmet and he, he's constantly going out of frame. It's wonderful helmet acting. They do that at Juilliard. Helmet acting, right? Mask acting. And so he, he's a Juilliard graduate. So you can tell he has that experience. And, and, and so it's just on his helmet and you can tell he's struggling as he's almost praying to the mask of his grandfather, Darth Vader, Anakin. And he's saying, I can feel the light. Get it out of me. Remove it from me. I don't want to go back. I want to live in this darkness because the difference between light and darkness in Star Wars is light is all about letting the world and existing with the world and coexisting and being one with everything around you. And the dark is all about me focusing on me. It's all about my power, my wants, my desires, and taking what I want. And so that's what he wants. He wants power. He wants to be as strong as his grandfather was when his grandfather was Darth Vader. And so eventually in the movie, we know he does the unthinkable. He commits patricide. He kills his own father. And there's this beautiful, tragic scene where darkness, the light coming in from that outside turns to darkness and Han Solo is killed by his son Ben and he, he, he almost wretches because it's not turning out the way he thought I, I can see him saying my only friend is darkness it's not what he wants he's struggling with it and so for a lot of us that can happen you can end up in this storm in, in, in this darkness and you can just live there and at some point you can say, you know what, enough of you, God. And man, Job could have done that. He could have said, no, I'm done with you. The psalmist, Psalm 88, man, he's not real happy. I don't know if you picked that up. He's pretty upset. I've been crying out to you. I pray every morning, where are you? You work wonders in the dead? Do people praise you in the pit? I'm wretched broken where are you and so you internalize it and you get more angry and more bitter and you turn away and that happens that happens to people a lot actually they get bitter about what other people have done they get bitter about what the church has done they get bitter about institutional stuff and they internalize everything and any light that they felt any experience of god that they felt they just shut out they just shut out and maybe there's hope. I think there's hope for Kylo Ren, right? His mom says there's still goodness. There's still light in him. We'll see how the movie series goes. 
But there's a couple other characters that I think kind of complete this a little bit better because Ben hasn't so far. And Ray really hasn't gotten to that point where she's had this Dark Knight experience, although I, there's a moment of it at the end of the movie, and I'll talk about it next week when we talk about Yunya. But Ben was named after Obi-Wan Kenobi. And in the original Star Wars film, A New Hope, Obi-Wan is this old, wise Jedi. He's been living in exile. He, he was a, a grand general, right, in the Clone Wars, in the original prequels. Ewan McGregor played him, right? He was jumping all over things and flipping, and he had all kinds of crazy powers, and he was really well thought of. And then his, his best friend, his student, Anakin, betrays him, kills a whole bunch of people. He fights him, leaves him for dead, and he's just broken. And everything he thought he understood about the light and the force just kind of leaves him, and he goes and he lives in the desert watching over Anakin's son, Luke, while he grows up. And so he has this long, dark night, maybe 20 years in the desert, waiting for something, waiting for that light. And then Star Wars, this beautiful original film, he finds Luke, Luke finds him, and they go on this adventure together, right? And they're in the Death Star, and Anakin and Obi-Wan confront each other. And right at the end, as he sees Luke and Han and Leia and Chewbacca leaving, running, what does he do? He's fighting Darth Vader, he puts up his lightsaber, and he surrenders himself. He literally surrenders. If you, you know, let's, the analogies are pretty clear here. He literally surrenders. Darth Vader goes to destroy him, kill him. And he disappears. He becomes one with the Force. Right? He surrenders, and then he experiences union. That's the best way to experience it. And for many people, many mystics and many other people, that's how they feel union really happens. It happens when you die. It happens when you die, that you die and then you become one. Right? But there's quite a few mystics that feel like it can happen in life. And so there's another character, Luke Skywalker, the main character of the original series, that I actually feel goes through this entire process, really experiences this entire process. Right, he he has an awakening. He's living on Tatooine. He gets involved in this bigger world. He understands who he is. He has a pretty rough self-knowledge experience because he learns that Darth Vader is his father. Spoilers. Like 30 your old spoilers, but spoilers nonetheless. He starts growing in his training, right? Yoda teaches him. He experiences the Force. But then at the end of Empire Strikes Back, the second film, his friends are captured. He leaves his training early. Han is encrypted in carbonite. He's frozen, sold to a bounty hunter, sold to Jabba Jabba the Hutt. Luke confronts his father, fails, gets his hand cut off, and falls down a pit. And the end of the movie is not real happy. That's how it ends. It's kind of a dark night. It's pretty rough. And at the beginning of the next film, Return of the Jedi, Luke returns. And Luke is kind of bratty and you know, kind of an upstart at the beginning of the series. He comes in Return of the Jedi emotionless. No emotion. Nothing. And he's wearing all black. He had been wearing white up until that point, or various colors of white, beiges and whites. All black. And there's this kind of sense, even though he saves everybody and the beginning of the movie goes really well, there's this sense that, you know, maybe he's kind of gone over to the dark side. 
Maybe he's, you know, using that anger. Maybe he's using that hatred that the dark side uses. Maybe he's kind of lived into that. And eventually he gives himself up to Darth Vader to be brought before the emperor. And of course, the emperor and Darth Vader want to turn him to the dark side. So you're kind of thinking, oh, well, what's going to happen? Well, it's a movie, so obviously he wins. But there's some really good imagery here. So he battles his father on the Death Star. Father in black armor. He's in his black outfit. The emperor, of course, in black robes. Everything's black. It's in space. Darkness everywhere. And he gets angry during this battle. Luke gets angry during this battle because his sister is threatened. And he uses that anger to defeat his father. And he cuts his father's hand off. And his father falls to the floor and the emperor's laughing, right? Cackling and wants Luke to kill his father. Because then he'll He'll do what he needs to do to fully embrace that darkness. And what does Luke do? He surrenders. Again, literally, he surrenders. He throws his lightsaber down and he says, no, you haven't won. You've lost. I'll never join you. And there's this imagery that it's really easy to miss, but it's beautiful, and I believe it's very intentional. The emperor shoots him with lightning, you know, the crazy evil lightning power. He falls to the ground, and as Luke falls to the ground, his jacket opens, and you see that his outfit was white underneath the entire time. The light was there. Even in the midst of the darkness. That's If you watch a movie like 400 times, you catch some things. <clears throat> right? You catch some things. Even in the midst of the darkness, even in the midst of the storm, even in the uncertainty of what was going to happen, the light was there. It never left him. It would be interesting to see what happens with Luke as these movies go on. I'm looking forward to it. So we see that in our film. We see this, and you can see it in lots of different stories, this great conflict, right? This great storm in, in, in our lives, you know, you're talking about it, you're thinking about it. These moments that you've just been overwhelmed. Like everything seems to be going against you. And for some of us, it, it's when things seem really overwhelming that we do turn to God. And we say, Lord, please help me. And then God does. And so our, our dark nights kind of lead us back to illumination or maybe even to a moment of union. And then, you know, we kind of go back and forth or wherever. And so for a lot of people, surrender is, you know, realizing that, you know, I, I just can't feel God right now. I'm just overwhelmed, but I know God is there. I know God is there. That I'm never alone. That no matter what, no matter what, God is with me. Even if I can't feel God, God is with me. Even if I can't experience God, God is with me because I remember Right a couple of weeks ago, I talked about building your Ebenezer. You know, remembering those times that God has been with you so that when you go into the darkness, you remember, yes, God was with me. And God will be with me because God is with me right now. But there's another thing about surrender, and it's, it's really easy to overlook. And this is kind of the surrender that leads to long-lasting union, which not many people experience in their lifetime. There's one thing that keeps people, that really keeps people from being one with God. And, and, and ironically, you know, mystics also refer to union as marriage. Mystic marriage, spiritual marriage. It, it's also 
kind of an issue in, in, in marriage that we experience here on earth. If I go into a marriage because I want something from my partner, it's probably not going to end real well. It's probably not going to go very good places. And we do that. You know, well, I'm going to marry you because you make me happy. Right? Well, some days your spouse isn't going to make you happy. <laughs> some days, you know, just the opposite, right? Or because you can give me this. You can give me security, right? A lot of people, I want to get married so I can have security. And then a job is lost. Or, or a house is destroyed by a fire or a tornado or a flood. Security is gone. And so if marriage is built on that, what I want, what I need, it might be destined to fail. It's not different in our spiritual lives. That state of illumination that we talked about last week, that state of experiencing God's light and love and joy, wow, that is good stuff. And you can live in that state very selfishly. You can be very selfish and live in that state. Because, Lord, wow, I'm getting all these good things, right? I'm experiencing all these wonderful things. And, and, and that's great, and I can use them in any way I want, right? Thank you, that's great, thank you, God, but, you know, I still want to do the stuff that I want to do, too. You know? I still want to think about it the way I think about it. I still want to call the shots. I'm still, you know, you can be the co-pilot, right? I talk about that a lot. But I want to drive the car. And so surrender is the acknowledgement. Surrender is the acknowledgement that I want to be in a relationship with you, God, regardless of what I get out of it. I want to be in a relationship because I value that relationship. I want to be in a relationship because I know that partnering with you, that having a covenant for you is going to lead me to better places, even if they're scary places. And that all the good things that come with it are great, but that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I know that you love me and I love you. That's how I view my marriage, I think. I want to walk with life through with Jennifer, walk through life with Jennifer. Not because of the things that she gives me or does for me. She does a lot and gives a lot and vice versa. But because I know she loves me and I love her. And it, it's better to partner together than be alone in our case. And that is the good news about this. You know, the first good news was God is always with us, even if we don't feel it, even in the storms of life, even when we just feel surrounded by darkness. Darkness is my only friend. Yeah, that's a great way to end a song. God is there. But the other good news is, you know what? When we're really experiencing this, when we're having that dark night, when we're truly trying to figure out where we're going, what we need to give up, what we need to surrender whatever it is in our lives that's keeping us from really being one with God. I'm going to give you a really concrete example next week. So stick with it. This whole process. We don't have to do it alone. Because God put us in community. And that's why we have a church. That's why I have a spiritual director. Because I knew that maybe one day this is going to be a reality for me. It's not today. Yeah, i got some pretty big stuff going on. 
but I feel God. I'm experiencing God. This isn't a dark night for me. But there may come a time, and it's probably not a time when things are going bad. It's probably a time when things are going good. Everything's going well, and I just, I just don't feel anything. I just don't feel connected. That happens in marriages, doesn't it? At some point, well, I just, I just don't love you anymore. Adam Hamilton, in a lot of his books, talks about that, that that's natural in every relationship, that we're going to be more passionate about each other at times and less passionate about each other at other times. And it's working through that, and it's weathering that, and it's loving each other anyway that builds these wonderful relationships that last decades, lifetimes. But the good news is God has not placed us in this in isolation. Our friend who wrote Psalm 88 felt like he was alone. But he wrote that hymn, and he brought it to the church, and he had a community around him. And he wrote some other psalms that didn't end so bad. And so we have each other. We can walk through each other. Even if you don't feel God right now, there's somebody else who is. And when you're going through the valley, there's somebody else up on the mountain. And when you're on the mountain, there's somebody else who needs you on the valley. And that is why we are together. One of many reasons, but it's a pretty good reason. Because sometimes we do feel alone. Sometimes we do feel in darkness. But if we are going to move through it, weather through it, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Psalmist also wrote that, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Rod and your staff, they comfort me. So take encouragement in that God is always with us. And that even when we can't feel God, there's a community of faith around us who does. And next week, we'll talk about where this all ends. Union. Amen. I want to talk about, you know, I introduced a, something, a breathing prayer exercise last week. I'm not going to lead us through a guided meditation, but I want to briefly talk about it, uh, giving you some different kind of tools and, and get different type of ideas to help you in your spiritual life. Uh, so last week we talked about some breathing prayers. Um, this is actually a lot of work that I've done some of it's based on Walter Brueggemann, who wrote a lot about the Psalms, and I've done a lot of work on the Psalms. And he talks about, now there's about a dozen different types of Psalms. If you break them in, there's Psalms of Thanksgiving, and Psalms of Praise, and Psalms of Lament, and Psalms of Corporate Lament, and Psalms of Enthronement, and all that kind of stuff. But Hebrew groups them into three different categories. Orientation, disorientation, new orientation. And I think you'll find in our lives that's a pretty regular cycle. Orientation, disorientation, new orientation. In our mystic path, orientation leads into the awakening and then the disorientation of self-knowledge, then the new orientation of illumination, the disorientation of the dark night, and then the new orientation of union. What that means is we are all starting somewhere, right? Everybody today is somewhere. You are oriented where you are. Orientation, it's where I am, all right? Disorientation is me ending up somewhere I don't want to be. Things getting out of control, you know? The water pump breaks in the car. 
kid's got an ear infection. It's not what I wanted to do this week. But it happens. Disorientation. And disorientation then leads to a new orientation. And so as you're praying, as you're um, reading your Psalms, uh, reading your Scripture, this is a nice way you can actually read the Scripture to kind of move you through this kind of experience of, okay, where am I today? Okay, do I see where maybe there's some disorientation where I'm out of alignment and then end up in this new place where I want to be? And so I've listed some Psalms, and you can write those down, and I can certainly give those to you, to you later. Psalm 1, Psalm, Psalm 1, Psalm 33, and Psalm 131 are all Psalms of orientation. So start your prayer just with, you know, start with Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is a great Psalm of orientation. This is where I am. Then Psalm disorientation. I read one, Psalm 88. Psalm 13, Psalm 137. Actually, you know, you got about a 50-50 chance to pick one of those in the book of Psalms. About half of them, a little over half, are Psalms of lament. Then Psalms of new orientation. I gave you Psalm 29, Psalm 30, and Psalm 124. Now, I've also done that with music. And you can use, if some of you just really find yourself drawn to music, although the Psalms are music, right? And if you, if you, want, if you want to use the Psalms, but you want to use music as well there's a great group called sons of Korah sons of Korah k-o-r-a-h like in the book of psalms Korah the sons of Korah like in the book of psalms uh, and they're an Australian folk band and all they do is psalms literally verbatim uh, and it's a wonderful kind of like folky rock um, group from Australia oh and they've got six or seven cds and and so they've covered a lot of the psalms um, so you could do that but also you know you can use Whatever music you like, whatever style you like, find those songs that really, you know, start with the song. You know, maybe you're doing your yoga or whatever you do, right? Um, I don't know if I'm picking on yoga. I like yoga quite a bit, actually. Um, you know, maybe you're walking, you're running, whatever, you know, you have to do in the morning, just going place to place. You know, start with a song that really like, yeah, this is, this is a great song that centers me. This is just a song that's really, you know, yep, it's, you know, the turtles happy together. You know that song? I love that song. It's one of my favorite songs. It's just it's a nice song, right? Unless you're listening to the filter version. It's a little, little different take on it. But either way, um, you know, those songs that just kind of, yeah, you know, this is, this is my groove right now, right? And then move into some music that's maybe a little bit focused on different emotions. You know, uncertainty, fear, anger, storms of life. And then bring it to a song that's a song of hope. We're going to sing a few of those, I think, tonight. This is my life song. It's a great song. Song of new orientation. So you can play with that, and you can do that, and I've done a lot of work with that. And, and I think that would help some people who are trying to figure out, okay, how can I work through these different things in my life? I know God will be with me at good times. I know God will be with me at bad times. I want God to be with me in new times. How can I work through that? So this is just a tool many tools in our toolbox. This is just a tool that I think would help some of you, especially if you're a more emotional and emotionally charged individual. These, this is a good kind of guided meditation, whether it's reading the scripture or listening to some music, and you could do that. Uh, so I encourage you to think about some different types of prayer, find some different types of things um, online. So. All right, well, let's move to prayers of the people. And that will be on the screen here. I will end our petitions with Lord in your mercy and you will respond 
And I will give you a time at the end to lift up any names to the care of our Lord right now. So let us pray. Lord, we come gathered together, lifting up prayers for those you came to seek and save. Jesus, we pray for the poor. Allow us to share good news with them. Challenge us to fight against poverty and hunger in whatever forms they take. Lord, in your mercy. Jesus, we pray for prisoners, those in cells of greed and addiction, those in our jails and prisons, those in the prison of fear and abuse. Help us offer freedom to all in your name. Lord, in your mercy. Jesus, we pray for the blind. We pray for those physically unable to see. Grant them healing, if it be your will, and allow us to be their eyes. We pray for those with spiritual blindness. Remove the cloud of doubt and darkness away from each of them so that they may see your light. Lord, in your mercy. Jesus, we pray for the oppressed. Do not allow our words, actions, or thoughts to be used to spread oppression. Allow us to offer liberation to all those in need and liberate our hearts from evil and hate. Lord, in your mercy. At this time, I just ask that we lift up any names to God's care. Lord, in your mercy. 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 Lord, this is the time of your favor. Send your Spirit to guide and teach us. Move us ever closer to your kingdom and let all of our work be for your glory. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Let us now receive our offering for the work of our church. And as we do, a few announcements. <clears throat> You'll see um, job descriptions for two team chairs, the leadership team and personnel team. Those are in your New Life notes. Please take this home and prayerfully consider <clears throat> perhaps uh, how God might be calling you into leadership in this church. Uh, there are job descriptions for each of those people. They are both vitally important to our ministry. And you may have the gifts and graces, and maybe you don't, but God will give them to you. That's sometimes how it works. But I ask that you prayerfully consider if you uh, are interested in serving in a way. We have uh, Vacation Bible School uh, coming up this summer. If you are interested in helping, please get online and do that. Um, you can see in our uh, newsletter the link to volunteer. Uh, if you don't get the newsletter and you would like to be added to, make sure that you fill out a connection card or a pew pad and give us your email and we can add you to the weekly newsletter. Um, but they do need help for the Cave Quest 
VBS, if it's going to happen, we need some more volunteers. Thank you for those of you who have volunteered, and we're doing that with Sherland and Prince of Peace Lutheran Church. I believe that's all as we go into our summer months. Let us now move to the table. And as we do, we come to the table bringing who we are, where we are. And we do that with an act of confession, which will be on the screen. So let us pray that together. Lord, you know how easy it is for us to sit here, tethered to our darkness and fear. We get bound up by chains of mistrust. We dare not to hope For so many times before, we have been disappointed. So we sit here and wonder where you are. We are not unlike the disciples who wondered also who fear. Lord, come to us in our darkness. Flood us with your powerful light of love and mercy. Help open our eyes to the good news of your eternal glory. Give to us visions of the place in which love and hope will reign. Forgive us our stubborn resistance to your mercy and your love. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now let us just in a moment of silence bring to God whatever we need. Whatever we have on our hearts. Amen. Let the light of God's eternal love flood into your hearts this day. Feel the healing presence of God in your lives. Accept God's love and hope for you. This is a gift freely given to you by Jesus Christ, God's risen Son, our Lord. Amen. As we come to the table, we do so remembering the dark night Jesus Christ was about to face the dark night the disciples were about to face if you want to experience or talk about the experience of knowing and living with God like the disciples did for three years and then having him go away just think of the crucifixion just think of the table that they met at on that Monday Thursday where they literally experienced God's light with them and then darkness. Christ knew that this day was coming, so He met with His friends and He offered them bread and gave thanks to God and giving it to them, He said, Take, eat. This is My body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. After the meal, He took a cup He gave thanks to God in giving it to His disciples. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is My blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of Me. So Lord, in remembrance of these, Your acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves holy and living sacrifices in union with Christ's offering for us. Lord, pour out Your Holy Spirit.
on all those gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Truly make them be for us your body that we may be your body, the church, redeemed by your blood for this world and the next. Make us one as you are one. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. I remind you at New Life, we practice open table communion, which means you are welcome at this table. If you want a relationship with God and your brother and sister, you may come. We use gluten-free bread and grape juice to affirm that inclusive nature. This is Christ's table, not any of ours individually. I remind you to come receive a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, wait for the band to come first so they can begin to lead us in worship, and I will call my communion servers forward as I offer this to us all. This is the body of Christ broken, so you may be Christ's body, the church. And this is the blood of Christ shed for you, so you may be forgiven and have new life. The table is set. Come. Um,